Today is Sunday, December 24th, 2017. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. I am Evan Valenti, filling in for Larry H. Russell here on this episode of Celtics Beat. And episode 242 of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $50 off any matches purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and using the promo code CELTICS at checkout. Episode 242 is also brought to you by eHarmony. Right now, my listeners get a free month with eHarmony. They sign up for a three-month subscription. Enter my code CELTICSBEAT at checkout, and it's also brought to you by DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com right now. Sign up, and when you sign up, use the promo code CLNS at your first deposit of $5 or more, and get a free entry into tonight's $10,000 NBA pool. Well, you know, maybe you want to wait till Christmas to do that because, you know, we're all going to be focused on the NBA during Christmas instead of family stuff. Uh, we're going to keep this short, okay? But before we get to today's special guest, just a reminder, next week's show is the last show for Larry. He's been doing this show for years. I mean, we're talking about episode 242. That is more than four and a half years of weekly content on the dot. It's like clockwork. And he's signing off during next week's episode. It's sure to be a special episode. And folks, you know, look, I've tried to, you know, maybe do some digging for you. Coax out the guest out of him. Sadly, my attempts were denied. Larry just flat out, he won't tell me. So I have no idea what he's planned for next week. I've tried to get out of him. No clue, but I'm sure it's going to be great. And like, let's just be real honest here. It's not like the last time we're going to see him on this show. I'm sure he'll be a guest. Whoever takes over this show full-time, uh, heck, he might even guest host every once in a while like I do right now. So it's definitely uh, in the cards. Definitely the last time you ever hear him on this podcast and definitely not on CLNS Media. But next week uh, does mark the end of an era. So make sure you tune in next week for Larry's final show. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Now, without further ado, he's the former host of Celtics at 7. On 98.5, the Sports Hub, he is the Morning Drive Sports Anchor for WBZ News Radio, and he's a host over at DraftKings. It is one of my favorites, Zan Kaufman. On the surface, the Celtics team, you know, just watching the tape, you've been watching games back and forth, and, I, and you know, I, I can't really tell right now based on what I see just on the surface, if this team is is tired or they're just not executing. And you look at the schedule, and we're going to talk about the schedule, obviously, this entire podcast. Uh, th- I'm just not sure if this team needs multiple days off to, like, get their legs back or if they need practice more. What do you think? A uh, little of column A, a little of column B, a little of column C, right? I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's telling that when you hear Brad Stevens, the coach, uh, just in the last, I don't know, few days, somebody asked him, hey, you excited for Christmas? And how cool is it to play Christmas Day and face the Wizards and yada, yada, yada? His response was, look, I, I just want to get to December 30th because that's our next practice. You know, that I mean, this guy lives for practice and for getting his team out there so they can actually work on some things. And if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 17 games in the month of December. They've played more games than any other team in the NBA to this point. So I, you know, I, I hesitate to use the schedule as an excuse. That being said, and I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, it is valid to say, if you hit a rut, as any team in the NBA does over a five or ten game stretch, and this team has lost five out of its last nine, 
you can point to certain factors. Not having Marcus Morris and no reliable offense off the bench is a factor. Not having rest and practice time while you've had injuries in the process to acclimate different rotations is a factor. Having a grueling schedule where you're traveling traveling like crazy, playing multiple back-to-backs in a season where the league was trying to reduce those, that's a factor. And, of course, you know, Al Horford missed a game. Kyrie Irving missed a game. This team is still dealing with the expected inconsistencies of having half your team being first- and second-year guys. So you can point to a number of different things. Really, while we can complain or nitpick, and that would be valid, I think they're also it, – it's remarkable that they're in first place in the East at this stage of the year. Yeah, if you even – if you had told – and this is one of the narratives I like on Twitter lately. If you had told us that, you know, five minutes and 11 seconds into the season or whatever the, num- the number was for when Hayward went down, it's like, look, by the end of Dece- – or by December 24th, by Christmas, uh, this team will be in first place, though. I think we would all would take that. But just to go – to piggyback off the, the 17 games month of December, it's nuts. Shout out to uh, the Reddit user Orange Cookie for – kind of bringing this out they've played four different uh three games in four day stretches i thought we were supposed to eliminate a lot of these back-to-backs and multiple runs of four games and five nights with the new scheduling and, and and in boston you know if you look towards january they have more days off which is spectacular especially on that london game um but i thought this schedule was but, supposed but, to be better that's what it is that that's what it is. It's that London game. They're getting screwed by the fact that they're going and playing one game overseas and as a result have like one game that entire week or whatever it is. And so the rest of it over the course of the front half of the year is getting front loaded and, and jam packed to account for that. You know, if they weren't playing this overseas game and I I get the global outreach and building the brand and the Celtics are an international brand and all of the different reasons why it's a good thing to do. Right now they're paying for it and, and, you know, very literally paying for it because, like you said, Gordon Hayward goes down. Nobody expected them to be where they are in the first place. But the fact that they are, excuse me, that they are, that they reeled off that 16 game winning streak and 20 out of 22 after that or whatever it was to, you know, now start to deal with some of the hiccups approaching Christmas time. It's all in large part these, these, these threes and fours, as you alluded to, it's because of that London game. And it's why hopefully in the second half of the year, they'll be sitting pretty because at that stage, they'll have fewer games than anybody else. And their their schedule will be really spread out and they'll have all sorts of Stevens practices. And, and maybe we'll be looking back and saying, man, it's great that they had that. And, and now they're, they're benefiting from it. But Right now, here in the moment, kind of sucks. Yeah, I could see how you could maybe take that as like a positive. Like you know, the, putting these guys into the fire together, you know, have them trying to get through some of these uh, these humps and and some of these lulls together as a team is a good thing. And finding ways, like at the end of the Indiana game, they're pulling out of their ass and win, and win a game they had no business winning. Although they probably should have blown that game in the first place. Could go either way with that. Um, but you mm. know, this is a, this is a team right now. That, and I think Brad's starting to kind of do it. You saw Kyrie get a day off with his, you know, hamstring or, or quad injury, whatever it was. You saw Al Horford get a day off. You saw Jalen Brown take some rest with the Achilles. You've seen Greg Popovich do this with the Spurs throughout, you know, the entire, what, four or five seasons, last five seasons. Should Brad be resting guys more right now? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, unfortunately, I feel like he can only afford to give so much rest. I mean, we saw what happened. You know, Al Horford sits out a game. It wasn't pretty. Kyrie Irving sits out a game. It wasn't pretty. Jalen Brown sits out a game. It wasn't pretty. Maybe it's a different story 
if, as I mentioned before, you have Marcus Morris back from the knee injury, he's targeting a Christmas Day return, and he can play consistently after that, not just the in every once in a while and out most of the time as Ainge had touched on a couple weeks ago saying that you know he may be able to play throughout this recovery on and off. If, if his presence is more reliable, less spotty, and you know, or you, at least you're pretty confident that you're going to get 12 to 15 points from him specifically off the bench every game, you don't worry as much about, well, we don't have Al tonight, so we'll start Baines. Or we don't have Jalen tonight, Marcus is going to start. Or Kyrie isn't here again, you know, Smart's going to get in there. Because that's what it comes down to. You can afford for a game here, a game there, to give those guys rest, to not have those guys, if you feel like you're getting something reliable off the bench. But you're not. I mean, these last couple games are a perfect example. You know, you, you don't have Al uh, or, or whatever it sh- shook down. I'm trying to remember, but you don't Jalen for one of them, obviously. And you feel like, okay, well, if you don't have him, this is a big opportunity. You didn't have Larkin this last one. Not that he's always giving you a crazy amount of points or anything like that, but he's another potential spark plug off the bench. You don't have this guy, you don't have that guy. Well, Smart's going to start. He's going to give you his... 10 to 15 points, but you're going to really need 15 points from Terry Rozier to lead that second unit off the bench. You're going to need Jason Tatum to to take 15 shots tonight as opposed to his normal 9 or 10. You haven't been seeing that, and as a result, it's it's led to some of these ugly games. You just you don't have that reliability offensively in the second unit. And I know I keep harping on it, but it's that important. This this team doesn't lose 5 on 9 if the bench gives it anything. Yeah, and that's that's my one big issue. And you've seen Brad kind of tinker with lineups with, you know, maybe sprinkling Kyrie here and there or maybe throwing Jason Tatum in with the second unit to try and get some shot creation. That's my logical fix for the, the bench struggles right now if, if Morris is going to be a big problem. I mean, we're all kind of clamoring for it. I've been harping on this for a long time. I asked Jared – I was like Jared Weiss. I said, Jared, you've got to go to, to Brad – after a game where where Jason Tatum shoots well, because it's not going to go well if you, if you if you ask him a question, this type of question when he doesn't have a great game. Um, but there there has to be some room, and Bill Simmons has called for this. Everybody's called for this at this point for Jason Tatum to get more shots. And and, and I I'm I'm as impressed as you possibly could be every game from this kid. Um, the game against the Knicks, uh, he had a shot with like .4 left on the shot clock where he got the ball with like 1.2 left or whatever it was and left side, left wing, drove into the middle, did like a turnaround fadeaway jumper and, and somehow buried it as the shot clock expired. That's the kind of stuff that he is capable of and we really haven't seen it. We've seen, we've seen him take good shots I, at this point, you know, 30 games into the season. I think Jason Tatum knows what a good shot looks like. I think I'm comfortable with him shooting wide open all the time and with this dislocated pinky finger on a shooting hand, you know, that can't, that can't be easy. Uh, but there has to be some room at some point for this season for Tatum to take a little more offensive responsibility because Adam, at this point, he is much more polished than most of his peers at this stage of his career. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to win Rookie of the Year, though he'll be in that conversation for obvious reasons. But when it comes to the offensive polish and the role that he is playing as a third or fourth offensive option on this team behind Kyrie, behind Al on on certain nights, behind Jalen, it's remarkable. I mean, people did not expect this from him this quickly anyway. You know, we all heard the Paul Pierce comparisons or other 
uh, whether it's it's the footwork to him or a shot to this guy or an inside presence to this guy, so on and so forth. There were a bunch of different legendary caliber NBA players that he was getting compared to, and you just kind of rolled your eyes a little bit. But it looks like, obviously, Ainge nailed this one, and he has been great. But you sort of outline what do you want in a given game, right? Like, let's just pretend that short of Gordon Hayward, you're at full health, uh, health or or even remove Marcus Morris. You're at, you're at everyone else is healthy. What is the expectation in a game? Kyrie Irving is taking almost 20 shots per game right now, which is clearly, uh, I mean, it's a lot. And it's, it's not a necessity, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a necessity, especially late in games when he's you know the, fallen into this hero ball trap and 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 not distributing as much as he was during the winning streak. But you know, it's not just Jalen. Like I'd like Al Horford to take more than ten shots a game. I don't necessarily need Marcus Smart taking nine shots a game, even though he's shooting much better over the last fifteen games. You know, there there you can go sort of up and down the roster, but. Tatum being your main point, yeah, the, the guy's shooting in excess of 50% from the field. He's shooting about 50% from the field from three-point range. If he's open, you'd like to see him shoot, not get a little gun shy, or create more shots for him. Get to the get to the hoop, get, get to the bucket. I mean, that's one thing that for whatever reason this team does not do nearly enough of. I don't know exactly what the raw numbers are. I don't have them in front of me, but has to get to the free throw line more. Not just Tatum, this entire team. I mean, that has been one of the key problems in losses during this stretch is, is they're getting just pummeled at the free throw line. It's, it's not even close, like almost a, a, a two to one on some nights. And, you know, and then they lose by six points and people wonder why. You know, it's, it's easy to blame the officiating. The fact of the matter is this team isn't aggressive as it needs to be going to the hoop. We need to see more of that, and Tatum is right there included in it. Well, they, they've always had that problem. This is a problem that's gone back a couple yeah. of years. I mean, th- what was really surprising last year is if you looked at – I mean, Isaiah Thomas was so unbelievably good at getting to the free throw line. He was insane. But nobody else in the team could really do that, and there was a point where there was the first, like, revelation of Jay Crowder starting to become a starter. He used to get to the free throw line a ton in comparison to everybody else, but now you look up and down the, the roster, it really is like Kyrie will have, you know, six or seven or eight free throws a night and like everybody else has one or two and that's primarily I think based on who they have on the roster I mean Jalen Brown is a guy that can slash to the bucket and it's been has done actually a better job this year at finishing through contact um, Tatum has been a guy that's slippery gets by guys and with his length um, can definitely get to the rim but other than that in Kyrie they just don't have that many guys that can do that. I mean, like, Rozier can break his guy down off the dribble, but halfway there, he loses control of the basketball and throws up a wild shot. Marcus Smart getting to the free throw line is inconsistent. Sometimes he can do it, sometimes he can't. I think you're, you're pro- like, and that's a legitimate gripe about this team. They don't get to the free throw lineup, but I think that is part roster construction, and I think if they had Hayward and or Morris, that number would be much higher at this point. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. It's and you're right. I mean, it's a it's a problem that predates this season. You know, I, I remember screaming this throughout much of last year and probably the season before that as well. You know, there's this team falls in love with the three, and that's not always a problem. I mean, they've got like Horford shooting better than forty percent. So's Irving. So's Brown. Believe it or not, Smart has been well over that in his last fifteen games. Tatum is about fifteen percent or fifty percent. Pardon me. So it, you can you can understand that there's a justification to taking as many threes as they do. But it's late in games at points. It is as much as it's brought them back into some games. It's burned them as well. You know the the shot selection has been inconsistent. I think Stevens probably would have a problem with it as well.
Today's edition of Celtics Beat is being presented by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Casper's mattresses are designed by humans for humans, made right here in the U.S. of A. They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And they're not just a mattress company. Casper offers a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. And buying the Casper is easy. You order online. It's then delivered to your door in a compact box. And free shipping and free returns to the U.S. and Canada. And then you get a risk-free 100-day trial. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by using casper.com backslash Celtics and using the promo code CELTICS at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash CELTICS and using the promo code CELTICS at checkout. This show is also brought to you by the people over at eHarmony. And folks, I understand if you're trying online dating, chances are you've run into some problems, right? Lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that just don't turn into dates. You can't really get to know someone just by looking at their picture, and that's where eHarmony comes into play. eHarmony is unlike any other dating site. eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites don't in order to make sure you find a more compatible match. They are built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not just a shallow hookup site. They have helped over a million people all across the world find their perfect match. eHarmony uses years and years of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches eHarmony just brings people together, and there are plenty of hookup sites out there. This is not what eHarmony is. And right now, my listeners get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. They can just use my code CELTICSBEAT at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship. There's one app that's built to bring you real love. And that's eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my promo code CELTICSBEAT at checkout for a free month with a three-month subscription. Back to Adam. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it just as a, a good example. Like the other night against Miami, that Kyrie shot at the end of the game, I know people are like, well, that's why you bring Kyrie Irving to the Celtics. You want him to take that shot. I didn't think it was a good shot. I th- I thought it if, a good shot. if you want to get what? Kyrie the last shot, which I I agree, everybody in the world thinks he's going to take the shot. I don't care, but like get him going to the like let him catch it on the run is usually like the way they used to do with Isaiah Thomas. And I hate to compare Kyrie to Isaiah, and everybody does it, and I hate it. It makes me cringe. But what they used to do with Isaiah is is get him catching the ball on the run. And, I, and to have Kyrie get the ball 30, what, 32 feet away from the basket, dribble a couple times through his legs, go to his right, and then try and hit a runner from, like, the, the, the right side, I just didn't think that was – I mean, I'm sure he's hit that shot a million times. 
But if if there's a way to get him closer to the basket or get him to move uh, on the catch, I think that's a better shot. And shot selection throughout the entire season has been a problem. This losing streak has been just a big, uh, a big, you know, a big point of emphasis that their shot selection is terrible. They shoot a ton of threes. That's fine. The open ones are good, but you know sometimes. These, this team just throws up shots in the perimeter because there's no other option. Again, because, and Tommy talks about it all the time in the broadcast. They don't get to the paint enough. You hear Scalabrini talk about it with, with Mike all the time. This team needs to find a way to get paint touches. Now, all that being said, Adam, this offense has actually gotten a little bit better from November mm-hmm. to December. They're just slightly better per 100 possessions. They went from 105.5 to 106.3. The big difference between Boston right now in Boston during the winning streak in the month of November is the defensive side of the floor. If you go back to that 16-game winning streak, they were putting up numbers uh, defensively that were similar to the 2003-2004 Detroit Pistons, which we all know won the title mm-hmm. that year and were the, one of the best defensive teams in the history of the league. At, at the end of that month, they were below 100. They were 99.8 per 100 possessions. They were second in the league. Right now, they are at 106. Yeah, I was not to cut you off. Even if you if you go back to mid-November before this slump really started, it was like ninety-five or yeah. ninety-six. It was crazy. But now, as you said, over the last month and a half or or seven weeks or or, uh, or like five six weeks, it's not been good. It's it's they're one of the worst. Well, not one of the worst, but middle of the pack in the NBA, and it's brought them down to. Oh, Top three overall, which is still good, but you know that we didn't think at, at stretches anyway that defensive efficiency was gonna was gonna hover around 100 all year with the way they were going. So it's it, it has been a turn, that's for sure. Well, when you hold the Golden State Warriors to 88 points in a game, like you've clearly made yeah. your your mark as we're gonna be a really good defensive team that shoots well from you know occasion. This team went from. Opening night with Hayward, I thought they had a chance to be elite on both sides of the ball. I thought, you know, top 10 defense mm-hmm. and offense, that's how you really measure lead teams. I thought they had the opportunity to do that. When Hayward goes down, I'm thinking this team offensively will struggle a ton uh, because it's just a, maybe a slight better version of the Isaiah, you know, Al Horford combination where those two guys have played two-man game. This one's a little bit better. Um, but defensively, again, is exactly where they have to make their mark. And they have, again, the guys to do it. They have... Long guys in the perimeter. They have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, uh, Shemi Ojale at times can be very good. Daniel Tice has been good defensively. But again, if they don't get back to, and I'm not looking for, again, historic numbers here. I'm looking for, you know, top 10 defensive rating. Right now at 106 this month, they are, they're 16th in the NBA. And when you are maybe average, slightly above average offensively, being average defensively just flat out isn't going to cut it. It's just, it's just not. Well, and it's, unfortunately, it's not even just that. You know, it, it, it's the one issue that, that we haven't brought up is as good as the defense was, and it was elite, it was, it was beyond great in that first month or so of the season, the rebounding went hand-in-hand hand with that. You know, they were the one or two or third best overall rebounding team in the NBA when it came to rebound percentage and the analytics and the stuff that, that many of us look at. And as the defense has slumped to, as you said, 16th this month, the rebounding is like second worst in the NBA. It's they, been atrocious. They went from 51.7% in terms of rebounding percentage, yeah. which was 7th in November, to 476 which is 28th. And, and Sean Green did a great job of you know, profiling what the Celtics record is when they out-rebound the other team. And again, it's your point. That's just not there anymore. And, and, and can we... I hate to do, again, I hate doing this. Is this a fatigue thing? Is it an effort thing? Like, or is this, a, is this just a bad rebounding team that got lucky early on in the season? 
No, I, I think it's effort. I think a lot of it is effort. And I don't think it's any coincidence that you've had Stevens or Smart or Horford or, you know, any number of players call that fact out. Tatum was talking about it the other day, Brown as well. I mean, it, it, guys keep saying effort, effort, effort. Our, our effort needs to get better. And it's it's what I was screaming throughout the year last year when this, the team struggled as much as it did defensively after being very good defensively the, the year prior. You can be... <laughs> Excuse me. You can be a uh, a good defensive team. You can be a good rebounding team. I'm not saying elite. I'm not saying great. But you don't have to be in the basement if you just put in enough effort. It sounds so stupid and trivial to say, but it's a fact. You know, some teams throughout the NBA. I'm not. I'm not breaking new ground with this. Some teams during the NBA season, regular season. Don't work very hard because they're saving up their energy and, and a little bit of extra intensity and enthusiasm, for that matter, for the playoffs. You see it year after year with LeBron's teams and and whole bunch of other teams as well. Celtics are renowned for working harder than most, if not any other team in the NBA. And so when they do that and it shows and then they go through little funks like this, where they call out their own effort, that's because, yeah, it pales in comparison to what we are used to seeing. When, in fact, most teams in a, over the course of a season do this all the time. It's why the Cavaliers have won 19 out of 21 recently, and, and they've ramped it up after sitting below 500 for, for the first 15 or whatever games to, to start the year, and people were all of a sudden writing them off and, and taking them for granted. There there are waves. There are ebbs and flows over the course of the year. But this team needs to, because it, it rebounding in a lot of ways, and, and defense as well. Stevens talked about this a lot earlier in the year and in the offseason when they were making the acquisitions they did. It's not just effort, although that's a huge part of it. It's size. It's length. And this team has more of both of those things than it did last year. But when you have Horford miss a game, when you have Jalen, who's a little bit longer at times, miss a game, uh, and and so on, uh, and, and obviously not having Hayward, it disrupts the flow, for, for lack of a better way of putting it. And so you're, you're going to have those blips in the road. I don't think, I don't think this team going forward is what we've seen over the last three weeks uh, or four weeks or five weeks. I don't think it's the team that we saw throughout the first month plus of the regular season, either when it was winning 16 in a row. This group is it's somewhere in the middle. It's going to figure things out. Ainge will probably make a move at some point in the not too distant future. Maybe he uses that disabled player exception at maybe at the end of the year, who knows they get Hayward back. We'll find out. But right now, it needs to improve upon its effort. Talking about making a move, and we'll end on this because if you know, I think every Celtics podcast has to talk about like two things at this point for doing it like we do for CLNS. One, you got to talk about how awesome Jason Tatum is, which we've covered. Two, and I, this is just a weird conversation for me to have because like this is just speculation and rumor, and I don't really enjoy this because it's just. There's really nothing there other than the fact that Woj wrote an article about it, so that makes it really newsworthy. But this whole Anthony Davis thing, and everybody's yeah. talking about it. I am interested in trading for Anthony Davis. I don't want anybody to be like, dude, who are you? Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the, in the league, okay? And he would be a monster. However, I am not really interested in what 
it would take to give up to get Anthony Davis. I really like the way, as I'll echo what Bill Simmons said in the podcast the other day. I really like the way this team is set up. I like the fact that they put an emphasis on getting as many wings as humanly possible, good ones that can switch defensively two through four or one through four or two through five or whatever. Um, guys that can space the floor, that can shoot, that have skill. You look at, you know, Tatum's going to be one of those guys. Hayward's going to be one of those guys when he comes back. Kyrie's already one of those guys. Jalen is developing in one of those guys. That's where this league is headed. It doesn't matter your size necessarily. It's how much skill on the floor you can have at any given moment. Now, Anthony Davis is one of these guys that, again, you put the ball in his hands, you can do almost anything you want. But in order to get that piece, I have to take something and uh, that I have really good strength in and trade it away. It's like a Belichick thing, and Michael Lombardi talks about this all the time in the ringer. You you hardly see Bill Belichick trade from a position of strength to address something, or you always see him tra- trade from a position of strength to address something else. But in the NBA, because there's so many fewer roster spots, you really don't have that ability to do that without creating a big, huge gaping hole in that spot you'd have to fill. Like, here's an example. If you have to trade to get Anthony Davis, if you're the Pelicans and you don't get one uh, of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown back, probably Jason Tatum, you didn't do it right. And they're not going to trade Anthony Davis for anything less than a monumental package. So as fun as the Anthony Davis trade rumors are, I just can't see Boston really going that deep into conversations to get Anthony Davis because they enjoy this particular version where they have so many wings on the floor at the same time. It doesn't line up for me, Adam. Does it line up for you? Yeah, look, I mean, I go on and on, and, and I'm prone to do that, as you know, and I, I think there is something to Woj writing that the Celtics are, quote, vigilant in their pursuit of Anthony Davis and desire to trade for him, but I fall in line with with what you said. You know, I... I Love Anthony Davis. How can you not? He's an elite big, and he's going to continue to be for years to come, and he's got a good contract for the next few years. But we're also talking about, you know, you got to make the money add up. So you're giving up Horford, who's your defensive identity, or Hayward, and more likely Horford, given the age and, and, and skill set and everything like that. You're going to have to give up Tatum or Brown or both. I don't want to part with Jason Tatum. To me, to the... To the extent that anybody is untouchable on this team, and I don't believe ultimately that anybody is untouchable, but if you were to say somebody is, it's Tatum. I think he could be a an all-NBA player in this league for years and years. Jalen, I think, is going to be a perennial all-star. I don't know that he has the ceiling that, that Tatum does, but we're talking about two guys that can be well above average, two guys that it looks like Ainge nailed with the third overall picks in the last couple of drafts. And it's not even just those two. You're talking about picks. Maybe it's the the pick they just got in that in that Nets trade when they gave up the opportunity to take Fultz, whether that comes from Lakers or the Kings or the Sixers, whoever it is. Or maybe it's the future Memphis pick, or which is is looking increasingly good. Or maybe it's Smart and and the rights to re-sign him, which isn't as big a deal. But you get the idea. You'd have to give up so many pieces to get an Anthony Davis that you are. In essence, for the second straight year, if this were to happen, let's say in the offseason, you're blowing up your team again. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, people look at it and say, man, Kyrie and, and Hayward and Davis, at whatever, who cares about the rest? Well, it's not that simple. You need to have depth. You need to have a bench. I mean, we're seeing that right now. And I'm not saying their existing big three is that big three with Davis, but you're seeing right now what it looks like when you don't really have a bench. Your starters aren't going to play, especially in the regular season, 45 minutes a night or even 40 minutes a night. So 
I just don't think I, – I get the conversation. I enjoy it. It's a fun debate. I don't think it's realistic. Trey Young for Anthony Davis straight up, that, that would be probably as far as I would go because that, <laughs> that, 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 that pick could end up being Trey Young, and he's awesome. But uh, That's Adam Kaufman, WBZ out in Boston, of course, of DraftKings as well. Adam, thanks for taking some time to join us today. We'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, man, okay? Same to you. Happy to do it. And that's going to do it for this episode of Celtics Beat on CLNS Media. I want to thank you guys for taking some time to listen to today's show. I want to thank my guest, too, Adam Kaufman, of course, formerly of 98.5 The Sports Hub, WBZ Radio, sports anchor right now, also a host over at DraftKings. Love talking with Adam. He is truly uh, one of the best. Episode 242 was brought to you by Casper, a sleeper that continues to revolutionize its line of products. You create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Casper.com backslash Celtics for $50 off any mattress right now. It's also brought to you by eHarmony. Go to eHarmony.com when you sign up for a three-month subscription. Enter the promo code CelticsBeat at checkout. And thanks to DraftKings as well. Use that promo code CLNS when you first sign up to get a free entry into a $10,000 pool. Guys, you guys know what's going on next week. Larry's final show. Make sure you tune in. A couple of thank yous to hand out. My CEO, of course, Nick Gelso of CLNS Media, my guy. Also, Larry H. Russell, the executive producer of this show. Chuck Dietz, Steph Bagrato for the music. And most importantly, I want to thank you guys. I hope you guys have a happy and healthy holiday season. Of course, Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Happy New Year to you guys as well. I'll see you in 2018. Make sure you follow more of me on Twitter at Evan Valenti. And, of course, my own Celtics podcast called Celtics Roundtable on CLNS Media. Again, you guys have yourselves a wonderful New Year, and I'll see you in 2018.